I'm Roy Sharples and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your old pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. From BBC television to Hollywood movie director, Golden Globe nominee, and BAFTA award winner, to collaborator with Martin Scorsese, Danny Boyle, Jim Carrey, Mick Jagger, and a host of award-winning actors, filmmaker John S. Baird has directed all artistic and dramatic aspects of filmmaking by visualizing screenplays, choosing the cast, locations, and production design, and guiding technical experts and actors to bring it all to life. Hello and welcome, John. Hello, Roy. What inspired and attracted you to being a filmmaker? Well, well, first of all, for me, it wasn't so much film as such at the beginning. It was more sort of performance. And, and I got to film through theatre and storytelling, really. The two, the two things that got me interested in filmmaking was going to the theatre as a young kid, musical theatre, lived up in the north part of Scotland where there wasn't much cultural activity going on. But we used to visit my uncle down in London who worked down there and we, we would always go to these mus- musical theatre shows. And I remember going to see things like Oliver and My Fair Lady and all these really incredible sort of musical theatre productions and, and being in this sort of euphoria when I came out. And I always thought I wanted to be an actor, I think, and um, at that point as a kid. And, and that sort of never left me. And it was only later when I grew up and I started watching Martin Scorsese or, or Mike Lee or Francis Coppola, Stanley Kubrick was a big was a big sort of influence on me, wanted to be a filmmaker as well. But certainly the origins of it came through musical theatre and performance. That was the first time I got the bug, I think. So, so what does being a filmmaker mean to you? It's a huge part of my identity now. Because I run my own business, really filmmaking is, is my life. I, I, I don't separate my private life from my work life because whether I'm on holiday or whether it's a weekend, I'm always reading or I'm always writing scripts or I'm always taking calls about whether it's a movie I'm, I'm working on at present or I want to work on the future or it's a book I'm interested in getting the option for. So really, for me, filmmaking is, is my whole life and what really sort of defines me. It doesn't feel as though I'm going to work. That's the nicest yeah. thing I can say about being a filmmaker. It's when I wake up in the morning, I don't have the dreaded thing that I used to have before I was a filmmaker of, goodness, I've got to go to work now or, or you know, I've got to get on my bed. It's a job that I don't like. It's something that I love and it's something that that I'm, I'm very lucky to be doing. But as I say, being a filmmaker is my identity, really. That's great. So from idea to, to completion, what is your creative process for, for making films? For example, is it something that you, you carefully work out in advance or improvise as you go along the pre-production, production and, and post-production stages? Or does it just depend on kind of what the project is? I, I certainly am not one for improvising. You know, for me, it, it, it's all in the planning. Yeah, it's all in the, yeah. really, the script is your Bible and it's about getting the script right. Yeah, I, I would never go into uh, a production until I was, was 100% happy with the script. And maybe that's why I haven't done as many films as, as, I, as I could have done. 
but I would rather sort of take the time to get everything right, first of all, with the script, and then in pre-production, which includes hiring the, the right crew for the right job. And you don't necessarily take the most experienced. You take the people who are most passionate about the script, who, who understand the story, who can bring their particular skills to the genre of film that you're making. That's a big part of the planning process. Uh, storyboard in the film, for example, you know, you, you get the script and then you, if you're lucky enough to work on a budget that allows a, a visual concept artist, you'll work with someone and, and bring that to life to give all the crew an idea of what is in your head and how you, how you bring that forward whether it's rehearsing the actors, choosing your locations. The planning of a film is years in the making. The, the shooting of the film actually is the shortest part of the process. Yeah, Usually, usually you, know, you shoot a movie, you're talking between, depending on how big the budget is, but in my experience, seven to 10 weeks at the moment. I mean, the big studio movies will yeah. do more than that. But, so that's the short part. The, the pre-production is years in the making sometimes. The post-production, the editing is a huge beast. It's another year as well. So... In a nutshell, the more planning you do, the more creativity you have on set because you can fall back on a plan. doesn't mean to say you have to do exactly how you plan. There is room for a little bit more improvisation if you've got a plan to fall back on. But my advice to people would be put the time in at the beginning. The analogy would be like building a house, you know. Yeah. You, you want to build the house on a rocks. So you don't build it on a sun. You, you dig a big foundation. Yeah. You don't just throw something up prefab if you have the resources not to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's in the planning. Everything's in the planning for me. Magic takes planning. Although the creative process for movie making may appear magical, especially where ideas can come from and how they are brought to form, the reality is ideas only come to life by doing the work. Put the effort and time into upfront planning by visualising the entire movie with the end in mind then work back from the outcome that you want to determine your priorities and the critical path on how to get there in a specific order and sequence of events. Accept it can and will change. Be agile and adaptive as you iterate and learn, staying focused, motivated and disciplined. I, I think the, the simplest way to sort of explain it is, I, I always look at it like a, a teacher would in a class or a parent would with a child or or someone with a or with a pet, I think mean, that sounds really strange. Someone who's just got a new pet would like if, if something or someone is looking to you for guidance. Yeah, they want you to have the answers. Yeah, they want you to ha have the discipline. They want you to make them feel safe. Yeah. So being a director is you have to be an uncle, a brother, a psychologist, yeah. a coach, a teacher. You need to be people's friends sometimes you need to be sometimes slightly hard on them if they're not doing what they should be what they're getting paid to do and that includes yeah. actors as well as crew you should be a guiding light in this you, you're the glue that holds this whole thing together with, with actors it's slightly different sometimes they have to trust you yeah um they have to trust you and sometimes they play games sometimes they will test you on the first day of production they'll they'll throw something in there to make sure that you're looking They'll maybe do a, a particularly bad take or, or, or a bad take on purpose just to see if you'll let it go. And if you do let it go, they'll question you. Oh, that, I didn't like that. Why did you let that go? You know, so, so they want you to be honest with them. Yeah. They want you to be truthful with them. And you want, they want to be able to trust you. It's like any form of human relationship is if you're being yourself, 
people pick up on that, right? As soon yeah. as you as you as soon as you stop being yourself, even if it's subconsciously, people will sniff you out and they will feel uncomfortable. And they'll think, why what are you hiding? Why are you overcompensating? What is the issue here? Now, it's, as, as I say, it's maybe on a subconscious level that you're doing it yourself, that they are picking up on it. But the vibe just won't be right. So so the key really is to be yourself. And that includes, if you're not sure of something, asking for advice. I always try and surround myself with the most highly trained crew. So my I'll make sure that my director of photography is way more experienced than me. And I'll yeah. hold my hands up if, if, if I don't have the right idea. And I say, look, you're going to help me with this. I think the most common mistake is you come into a production and you feel as though you have to have all the answers, which is not true. Yeah. You, you, you have to be the one who asks the questions and you have to be humble enough to say, yeah, I need some help with this because it's not a one-man job. Yeah. You know, the crew is a 200-person beast. And you only learn that by, by, by making the mistakes. You know? I'm yeah. sure when I first started, I had all the answers and I certainly did not. But it's just like anything in life. It's it's through experience and, and, and listening to people, taking people's advice and just being true and just being yourself. I think that's the key. What was was a little bit surprising through some of the points there is how, how strong the need to have really good people, leadership kind of skills is within that and to be adaptive and, and all those other things that you kind of said there around kind of coaching, be a friend. I think that's a, a trait that I've always seen with you kind of, kind of growing up as well is like how good you are with people and how intuitive you are within that. And I think that always kind of made you like a natural leader of people. That's a straight, I think, that always kind of came through on you as, as, as a youngster. And then also your natural persistence, your ability to really organize and, and execute and to make, make things happen. And how disciplined it seems that you've kind of been around the, the projects that you've prioritized and selected on, because looking at your portfolio, it's incredibly strong. And it's, it's like you've been working with the best of the best, right? So obviously there is a talent there, but also a natural ability through working with people on the projects you have that's built a reputation and it's gravitated you towards the, the creme de la creme and also the creme de la creme gravitating towards towards yourself, John. So, so total credit to yourself. That's very kind of you to say. I really appreciate that. A little lump in my throat there. Thank oh. you very much, Roy. I just give you a virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they, it's really nice of you to say. They, they, I think I'm not born with any of that. That, that has been obviously learned through, I think, Maybe, maybe my family, certainly my mum and, and, and the female side of my family, especially, were were, were very sort of strong and yeah. very true and you know good, good people. And I think I've taken I've taken a bit off of, of them and that side. My dad was more of a risk taker, sort of really believed in himself and, and, and was never sort of intimidated by going for the big picture. He obviously made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I think my, pa- my parents were older than most of the other kids as well. And I think maybe having their experience and in, in looking at what happened with them maybe had rubbed off. But it certainly wasn't something I was born with. It was, it was something I had learned. Whenever there's a project that comes out, whether it's a film or there's a, there's a news of a film or, or, or something, all I'm concerned about is the local Aberdeenshire press going to cover it. It doesn't matter right? to me if it's wow. yeah. It doesn't matter to me if it's the Times, if it's the 
film magazines, if it's TV, I don't care about that. You can keep all that because I want to make sure that people back home see that I have represented them in a way where I'm trying to reflect good on, on where I grew up. And it's and I'm still so concerned about what people think of me back there compared to everywhere else. It's, it's a really strange thing. There's, there's actually something happening in three weeks' time where, you know, our town that we grew up in, Peterhead, is, has not had a cinema for 30 years. That's right. Um, and they're, they're just opening one. Uh, they're opening a, a, a multi-screen cinema. And they've invited me up to, for the first night, the opening night, so I can do a little oh, opening wow. thing with it. So, so, so I'm, going, I'm going up to do it. It's a drummer's corner. Oh wow! And, uh, and and it's actually the location of it. And it used to be it was a bingo hall, and it was all sorts of different yeah. stuff. Back in the fifties, back in the fifties, it was a cinema. It was where my mum and dad had their first date in nineteen fifty-two. Wow! So 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 it'll it'll mean a, it'll mean a bit. But but no, as I say, I'm, I'm far more sort of interested in in, in how I'm perceived up there than, than anywhere. So, what are the key skills and capabilities? that you believe is required to, to be a film director, John? I think you have to be a good listener, particularly with the actors. They'll have these insecurities, they'll have these ideas, but sometimes you need to work out what they're really meaning. Yeah. Because uh, they'll maybe say something, but they're meaning something else. So you need to really listen and try and, you know, you've got to be a problem solver and, and work it out. And as I said before, a bit of a psychologist too to really sort of soak up what is going on. You obviously need to be a storyteller. I, I think something I always say to, to people who who are aspiring filmmakers is, can you tell a story? Um, yeah. And, and it's quite a brutal thing. If you can't sit down with your family or your friends and tell them a story, just tell them a story. It doesn't have to be a complicated story, just a story. If you can't sit down and tell them the beats of a story and keep yeah. them engaged, then you're maybe going to struggle a bit more to be a filmmaker because it's all about storytelling. It's it's forget about the visual language or forget about anything else. It's it's yeah. it's being able to know the beats of three art structure or four art structure sometimes or, or whatever. And and storytelling is not a rocket science. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors obviously put around it. The oh, isn't it amazing how you can do this and that and the other? And it's not really. It's yeah. just about telling stories. So I think that that's a key thing. A well-told story engages the mind, heart and soul by conveying purpose and meaning that help us understand ourselves and find common ground with others, turning what we see into insights that spread. Storyboarding helps define a story's parameters and how to develop the movie within the constraints of time and resources. I think you've got to be humble. I think you've got to, you've got to be humble in a, in a way where you have to Except that sometimes other people's ideas are better than yours, and you've got to be humble enough to say, "Yeah, that idea is actually better. That's going to go in," rather than being insistent that your idea is the best idea just for the sake of of, of getting your idea in it and cutting your nose off to spite your face, sort of thing. So, I think again, you have to be you have to be humble. You have to be collaborative. You have to have discipline. You've also got to be an actor as well. That's the one yeah. thing I learned from, from. You have to be an actor. You. Spielberg talks about this uh, quite a lot. That that the hardest thing of making a film is getting out of the car in the morning because it's terrifying. You turn up in the morning on set 
there's 100, 200, 300 people waiting for you. They're all waiting for you for an answer. They always, they all want an answer from you for something other. It's yeah. costume, makeup, sound, you know, lighting, whatever it props, whatever it may be. They all want an answer. And even though you have major panic inside, or you have got no idea, the costume designer walks up. John, you want a red tie or a blue tie? Red tie. Okay. Yeah. Maybe no idea what 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 what. But give them an answer, right? Yeah. Give them give them some direction. You can change your mind later. Go, you know what? I think the blue tie is a bit yeah. better. But if you stand there, you tell them, oh, red, oh, what do you think? Red, oh, I don't know. Red, red tie, blue tie. You know, you'll get crucified because people will pick up on that. You have to be decisive. Yeah. As I say, you have to look as though you know what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody really knows what they're doing. And, you know, the big guys, the, the Scorseses, the, all these guys will, will attest to that. Know where to look, what questions to ask, and have the mental toughness to persist in the face of setback as you navigate through the unknown towards invisible horizons. It is about being creative on your feet by thinking and adapting quickly, providing clarity, generating energy, and having a bias for action, which force multiplies productivity and drives success. So from working with people like, like Scorsese, Danny Boyle, and uh, Jim Carrey, what, what were the key observations that you made of, of them around their kind of craft and how they, they got things done? Uh, all very different. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, Danny Boyle and, and Martin Scorsese are miles apart in their approach, both very justified and valid, but, but, but very different. I think both have an incredible energy, yeah. those two guys. But I think like Scorsese, for example, I mean, he's Italian, obviously, by, yeah. by, but, you know, he's Italian descent and, and, and he will take time. Yeah, he will take time. He's, he's, he will take time and discuss things in the finest details, yeah? Yeah. And go off on tangents and, and, and tell you about these incredible stories or reference these incredible films and give you this and, and have everybody almost like the class sitting around listening to yeah. this story, yeah? On set, you know, and, and he'll do this and and he's he's a real enigma, you know? When, yeah. when you work with him, he's a real enigma. Somebody like Danny, Danny will turn up, he'll have no entourage, he'll have no assistant, He'll just come. He's one of the crew. He literally, Danny will sneak in, and he's one of the crew, and he'll just go on with it. And he's real sort of man of the people. You know, both Academy Award winners, right? Both of these guys have yeah. won Oscars, but with, with an incredibly different approach to to filmmaking. You know, Danny more grounded in in sort of not so much of, of film royalty as, as Mr. Scorsese, who is who is, in my opinion, the the, the god. You know, yeah. As a filmmaker, you, you don't need to meet these people to learn from them. You, you look at the learned, you know, filmmaking. You look at their movies, and then you, you see how they make film. What's What's more interesting is when you work with them in person, is how they deal with the studios, how they deal with the politics, yeah. yeah? How they deal with the producers, how they conduct themselves in a meeting, right? How they yeah. how they buy themselves some extra time, how they get what they want. Yeah, that's what I learned from those guys. Yeah. Excellent. Um, the, the funny story I always tell is is so there's a director called Walter Hill. If you know where Walter yeah, Hill, yeah, Walter Hill yeah. was, yeah, it was it was the director who made like the um, Warriors and um, Forty Eight Hours and yeah. and, 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 and a, a, just like the best guy ever. Anyway, I got to know his wife. She's an agent in, in LA, and, and and I said, look, you think Walter would have dinner with me, and and and, and, and so I could be some advice. This is like 10, 15 years ago. Said, yeah, so I was having dinner with Walter and I was asking him all of his stories and just an incredibly sort of 
open welcoming guidance. Also, what, what, are the, what are the bits of advice that you give a a young a young up and coming filmmaker? And he says, "Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing that Raoul Walsh, who was a very famous director back yeah. in the sort of thirties, uh, one of Scorsese's big heroes." He says, I'm going to tell you what Raul Walsh told me when I was your age and I asked him the same question. And he said, uh, he says, there's three rules. He says, the first thing, he says, never sleep with a leading lady unless you're going to do it all the way through the shoot. Right? <laughs> this is his first thing. And, he said, and the second thing was, always change your shoes at lunchtime because you feel as though you're going into a new day, which is a genius piece of advice. I do it all the time. Wow. Because you do, you actually, yeah, you do. Yeah, like you wear trainers in the morning, shoes yeah. in the afternoon, or vice versa, just so you feel as though you are, you know, you're going in fresh. Yeah. And he says, the third thing is always let the actors choose their own hearts. Right? He says, whatever you do, don't try and tell the actor what kind of heart to use. And he says, because it'll just, it'll just become a disaster. And he's completely right. And, wow. and br- more broad, I'm not really having choice over a, a bit of personal costume, whether it's a belt or some shoes or yeah. some pair of specs or whatever. Give them up because they know the character. They know who, who, who these people are. And it sounds really flippant and it sounds as though they're, they're strange, strange kind of bits of advice. But I've, I've stuck to those three. I always laugh at lunchtime when I'm changing my shoes. When I'm changing my shoes, I think I will think of Walter Hill telling me this, but it totally works. And it doesn't sound very technical on the own. It sounds a bit strange, a bit boring, and it's like, what? But those are the kind of little tidbits you pick up from these yeah. guys, and you think it's just it's gold, you know? Stand on the shoulders of giants by surrounding yourself with the industry's best talent, seeking their counsel, capitalizing on their strengths, expertise, and insights by putting it into action as a collective unit and fostering a creative atmosphere that nurtures talent to create without fear. So you've got your rear, rear view mirror, John. You're kind of looking back upon your kind of career to date. If you were 18 again now and you know what you do now, what would you do differently, if at all anything, in the context of what are the lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success that you can share with aspiring filmmakers? I made so many mistakes as a young kid because I, I never uh, had a clue of, of, of how to get into filmmaking. I don't have any connections yeah. in the film industry. Anything. I mean, I didn't get into the film industry until I was 26 years old. Yeah. Um, and I I made tea for tea and coffee for people for two years before I did anything. Yeah. So, so I was very late getting in. So my advice would be start as young as you can. My daughter's 10 years old. She wants to be a filmmaker. You know, I let her use my iPhone to to make these little short films and stuff. And I would I would I would advise everyone: this technology you have on your phone is so far advanced now. I say go out there and don't don't say, "Oh, I don't have the tools to make it." You do your iPhone and whatever Android yeah. you've got. Well, you know you'll, you'll be able to make something and and go go out and start practicing from as soon as you know you want to be a filmmaker. Go out and start making films because that's the way to do it. And you'll learn you'll learn about white shots and and what to use as a close-up and, and how to do a reverse and that, just through trial and error. You know, you'll just learn yeah. about that and watch, watch those movies. The, the, actually, the biggest mistake I made was joking around for too much and not being serious about doing the work or getting experience or or doing it. I, I wasted a hell of a lot of time as a young kid. Now, may, maybe you could turn around and say, well, you know, if you hadn't done that, 
would you be the person you are now and yeah. do you appreciate what you've got now? So, so maybe that's the balance. But yeah. I think if I had my time again, I would have started a lot, lot earlier and I would have, you know, tried to get more experience and, and, and pushed myself a little bit harder as a youngster because I was walking in the wilderness from my early 20s. I was, I was, I was, had no idea what, I was go- what was going on at all. So that would be my, my key advice is start as young yeah. as you can and keep going and keep watching movies. That's a big thing. Yeah. Keep watching films. Keep reading about films. You know, try writing scripts. And don't be shy because there's a lot of there's a lot of terrible terrible films that have been made that a lot of people have gone to see. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say I would say you know it's just subjective. So start as young as you can. Yeah, brilliant. So looking forward, John, what, what's your vision for the future of filmmaking? The future of cinema is in a, in a very strange place at the moment because of COVID. Yeah, and because yeah. of two things because of COVID and because of the streamers. And I think both of those have conspired to to really threaten cinema as we know it. Um, I think if Tenet hadn't been out, cinema could have been in real, real trouble. I think it still is in a bit of trouble, but because a Tenet has gone out and proved that some people will go to the cinema and this, it has bought itself a little bit more time. But I think Netflix and, and, and you know Apple and, and, yeah. um, and Hulu and these guys, Amazon and these guys, are now going to be the big studios. They're going to be the Warner Brothers and the Universals and the you know MGMs and the Foxes of of yesteryear. They, they, they are the new yeah. they're the new big guys. Uh, so people are now going to be watching more things at home, more things on the phone and stuff. And so filmmaking will have to adapt to that. Um, in a good way, there's a lot more resources as well because these guys have thrown a hell of a lot of money at productions, yeah. uh, and there's more things being made because because they need the product, they need the the content, they're desperate yeah. for it. There's a huge opportunity. We're in a real turning point just now. It's a huge opportunity to make films, whether, well, wherever they're going to be seen, whether it's in the cinema, whether it's at home or, or on your laptop, there are opportunities for people to, to go and make stuff. The future is very bright, I think, in terms of filmmaking. I mean, in terms of technologies, who knows? Because it changes so quickly. It does, yeah. I mean, I, I hope we don't get into a world where it's just all CGI and all face yeah. replacement and all that stuff. I just that would just that would just be too much. But there'll have to be a bit of that. Obviously, I'm, I'm working on a movie at the moment that, that we're relying quite a bit on, on on visual effects because it's a period movie. But at the heart of it, it's still going to be the same thing as the ancient Greeks did, which is storytelling. Yeah, yeah? that's what it is. It still will always be about storytelling, regardless of how big your action sequence is or how big your explosion is or how good your fights yeah. are. It doesn't matter if you don't have a story. No. What I'd like to sort of finish by saying is there's nothing really I could point you towards in terms of stuff that I've done. You know, if you want to look at my films, then great. If no, then fine. It may not be for you if it's for a younger audience. But I would say for aspiring filmmakers, there's one book, and I'm not a massive fan of all the film books, but there's one book I found which was recommended to me by Martin Scorsese, who actually wrote the foreword in this book. And it's called On Filmmaking by Alexander McKendrick. Alexander McKendrick was a, was a famous director back in the 50s. He did a lot of Ealing comedies. And then he went to CalArts in California to teach filmmaking. And it's such a phenomenal book. And it breaks it down into simplistic terms, but very well thought out and well-crafted teaching methods about script making, about 
about script writing, yeah. uh, you know, about photography, about directing, about, about all this. And that's like the Bible, I think, and particularly because it was recommended to me by, by my hero. And as I say, Scorsese does the foreword in it and, and, and anything that he recommends, you should really be, you should be thinking about. But that's what I would do. I would get that book and study it from cover to cover. I've made three films and quite a lot of TV. I'm on the fourth film now and I still refer to it all the time as I'm making the movies, yeah. So I would say that's the book to get. And I've recommended this book so many times, I think I should really start getting royalties. I think you should, because, yeah. Uh, because <laughs> there's a lot of people bought it. But, but, but no, that's what I would say. I, that would be my inspiration is go and get that book because it, it'll change your life as a filmmaker when you get it. Excellent, John. And John, thank you so much for your insights and your inspired story um, all the way through. I really appreciate it. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure speaking to you again, Roy. Start young, learn fast and never give up. Perfection comes with persistence and practice over time. The key is just to start. Dreams are only realised through doing the work. Free yourself from others' expectations and walk away from the games and boundaries they impose upon you. Dream it, do it. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.